Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Man of Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali, and joining me as always, we have Simon and Dave. How are we, fellas? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, a very, a very mixed weekend of football for our three teams, but some entertaining games nonetheless. Some? Probably not at Man <laughs> <laughs> There was goals, though. That's, that's, that's the positive note for, for, the, for the neutrals, anyway. We are yeah. going to go straight on to the to the games this week. No quiz. Both our guests will be um, pleased to hear. When, with the international break next weekend, we will have a special quiz show for you. So you get a week off, gentlemen. So study up. <laughs> I, I think it's fair to say um, the way the quiz has gone so far, I think I'm more pleased about this than Dave having the week off. <laughs> well, let's just get straight into the games, boys. And first up of the weekend, we had... Manchester United won, Everton won. I was listening to this radio at work, and Everton could probably count themselves quite unlucky to only come away for a draw here, Dave. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, I thought uh, Man United were sort of, sort of stereotypical Man United under under Solskjaer, where they, they, they don't only really control a game and they're quite easy to counter-attack, and it just takes teams with a bit of guts to actually take the game to them and they'll, they'll probably get something, and uh, Everton thoroughly deserved a point, if not more. Um, I guess all the headlines were that you know Ronaldo was a, was a sub, um, which I find it a bit odd to be honest. Like, why you may as well play him for as long as you can go and then take him off with an, with like an international break to come. Um, but you know, if, if a man in, in Ronaldo's condition can't start three games in a week, then what chances anybody have? Is, is my theory. Um, I guess the only. Good football from the game for Man United pretty much was the goal. Hernandez played a nice ball in the Martial, but um, the, the only way I can describe Man United is they are the worst, best team I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> they, they very rarely play a team off the park anymore. And I mean, they sit two points off the top of the table somehow. And we say there's a lot about them. Like, they just they just find a way to get results now. They only got a draw here. It never really looked like winning, to be quite honest with you. And Everton had the goal as allowed. Um, Highlight of the game for me was Yerry Mina doing a sort of jig. <laughs> and Ian Dark on BT described it as a muted celebration because he wasn't sure he was on side. And I was like, I'm not sure you're right, Ian, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the complete opposite of what it was. Um, yeah, do you know what? Everything I've said about Man United there is, is, is spot on. Um, I don't know if any of you have watched their Champions, Champions League, Europa League, Europe, European no, League. No, Champions League game, and exactly the same happened where they were second best for the majority of the game. But this time, on that occasion, they found a winner in the 90, 100th minute, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. So, 
did you hear Rio after the game? When no, I make a point of not listening to anything Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, well, I, I tried to as well, but the presenter, I, don't, I can't remember the guy's name, it was him crouching Rio Ferdinand on, and they were asking Rio what Man United's style of players, and it was to counter-attack and score late goals. <laughs> Second most expensive team ever ever put together. Um, their role is to counter-attack teams like Everton and whoever they played in Europe. Um, no disrespect to whoever they were playing, but that Man United team should, you know, be, they should be going out battering teams, and they're relying on late goals and counter attacks. That yeah, it's it's, like, it's pretty but, embarrassing. I mean, you look at the goal they scored as well in midweek. Um, oh, sorry, not even the goal they scored, but the passenger play where a ball got played down the line, and Ronaldo was like, "Fuck that!" So he stopped, <laughs> stopped, stopped, and watched it, and Cavani ran thirty yards to keep it in, and you know, I don't think they scored from it, but it was it was nice to see Cavani could be bothered. And it's Ronaldo's name, I think, at the end of the game. It's like, well, <laughs> like we said this when they signed him. Like they've signed him, and he's, he's basically a penalty box striker now. And the team that don't make half all the chances, really, um, despite you know the many many good players they've got, um, it doesn't look like a great fit. But if if, if the ball pops around the box enough in the in late in the game, he will get some goals. Um, without him, you know, they weren't they weren't noticeably any better or worse. Um, they just plod on as usual. But let's talk about Everton and Rafa because um, they are ev- everything that I wish we were and should have been really had we, you know, bothered to keep them. Um, he's made Andros Townsend good again. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's not worth manager of the month, at least manager manager the something. Then you know, <laughs> he just when you compare like Rafa's the perfect one to bring up, especially when we compare it to who's in charge of the the opposite side of the here. Like, there, there is levels to this game, and Rafa is <laughs> three, four, five, six levels, even at this stage of his career, you know, ahead of the of the guy who's in charge of the, like such a team. He, as you say, he's got Townsend playing well. He's got them, you know, there's just a structure to Everton. I really don't get any Everton fans, um, especially the ones who maybe appear on a certain Thursday show, um, who are just, like, in meh at Everton. This is probably the most sturdy, um, resolute Everton I've seen in a while, they look a threat they've still got arguably their two best players to come back you know, in Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison mm-hmm. um, but I mean, can we take a moment to talk about Andros Townsend's celebration in the game as well? Fantastic, absolutely, <laughs> 10 out of 10 shit hours. and he got his shirt as well afterwards so, oh, did he? Yeah, uh, he did, so all in all I think he had a great day um, you just look at what Rafa's done though and, and what that, what's that Two or three months he's been there now, when yep. he's made he's made Dakuri one of the best midfielders in the league, in my opinion. Um, centre midfielders anyway, just box to box, absolutely dynamite. Quick feet, obviously laid on the goal of Townsend. Um, the back four didn't need an awful lot of work. It's just actually you know cohesive now. Um, individually they're always quite good, but the solid unit again. Um, and the two winners who he picked up for peanuts, yeah, <laughs> just far more effective than. Sancho slash Greenwood slash Martial slash whoever the hell at Man United are playing out wide. Just know their jobs, do their jobs, very quick, very direct, um, know how to finish. Like it, it, it's, it's very, very simple, but it's also extremely effective. Yeah, we're both very biased here, Simon, so I'll bring you in on, on that. <laughs> I mean, the, the job Rafa is doing, is, especially with the budget compared to previous managers, oh, let's, let's remember he spent about six million this summer. And other managers were getting, you know, fifty to eighty million every every transfer window. It felt like 
Um, he's just yeah. he knows a player, doesn't he? He just knows for his system, he knows who to get. Yeah, well, I mean, it it shouldn't really be a surprise. I mean, I, I don't know how much of a surprise it is to most people, but I mean, Rafa is he's a top class manager. I mean, you look at everywhere he's been. I think by and large, he's, he's done like a very very good job, pretty much. So. Um, yeah, it's it's no real surprise, and I, I suppose the you, I suppose you could say it's a bit of a surprise how well Damari Gray and Townsend have been, but they're they're two good, talented players, and what they've got now is a very good manager who he just knows how to get the best out of people like that, and to go uh, to go to Old Trafford without your two main goal threats in Calvert Lewin and Richarlison, and come away thinking that you probably could have taken all three points. I think it's, uh, it's just testament to, A, the great job he's doing, but also it's just a big reflection on the state man you are in with, with their uh, school teacher in charge. Yeah, I think that's, I think we I think we said it last week between us, I think it's starting to become a bit, bit unfair on school teachers. Yeah. That. I think it's, um, we need to look lower down the totem pole. Um, yeah, look, fantastic. Actually, it, I say fantastic result for Everton, but I think Everton will come away very disappointed. Um, <coughs> question on Man United just before we move off them. Um, how long do they give Solskjaer? I mean, they've, they've literally gave him everything he wants. Like, do does does he do his usual? I'll get to that point where even some of the media will start discussing it and they'll pull off a couple of results that really are expected, never mind thingy, and then keep himself on the job for a bit longer? More than likely. I mean, I think, like, it's weirdly, their way record is, like, pretty phenomenal. It's, it's just at Old Trafford, which is really strange why they seem to struggle there so much. But, he, uh, yeah, it's, I think the amount of money that they've given him to spend, they kind of almost have to, like, stick with him for the time being because otherwise, you, you know, they just make themselves look even more stupid than they have done. But then, again, having said that, how long do you want to keep a group of players that, that does have some real talent in there being managed by someone who's so, so far out of his depth? I mean, <laughs> I if put it this way, if he, if he got sacked tomorrow, do you think there's another club in the Premier League that would appoint him within, the, within four or five months? I, I um, don't I'm not saying anything because. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Might, um, maybe Watford. Like. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Newcastle either. I'm afraid. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> no, that's, that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't take if you know, for whatever reason, if Bruce was finally sacked, um, and Solskjaer was available, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But um, I, I, I'd like to think that wouldn't happen. I think, um, well, let's let's rephrase that with, with any club in the top ten. Oh, no, absolutely not. not. Yeah. Definitely not. No, I mean, no. his record's very poor, really, like, as a manager. Um, he's, he's, he did okay with Man United when he first took over. Um, but again, like, all he did was, was resurrect them from, like, seventh and got them to fourth. Like, it, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was reasonable, but with the players he had, it, you know, it should have happened already. But, um, I think, to answer your question earlier, I think he's probably got, They'll have a look at how they are when the Champions League group stage finishes and assuming yeah. they get out, get out of that, it'll be into the end of the season. If they exit early again, um, I think they'll be 
I think they probably already are monitoring Pochettino with PSG because that looks like a ticking time bomb again. Yeah, they, um, they surely wouldn't want to miss out on him for like what the third time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, saying that, I, I mean, he's definitely a better manager than Solskjaer, but I just don't think it's what they need. But um, yeah, hopefully they do get him. If they lose Solskjaer, that would be my choice um, as a Liverpool fan. That's who I hope they go for. Um, <laughs> we'll move on from that game though, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll pretty much skip the next game. I think eh? Burnley Burnley nil, Norwich nil. Um, I've got one note from the game. Um, Kabak obviously made his first start for Norwich in this game. I think it was his first start anyway. And you can tell he played with Joe Matip for a while because he went on like a 40-yard bust and run from his own half right up to the penalty spot, which I thought was excellent for a centre-half. Um, but the game we will go on the next will be Chelsea 3, Southampton 1. This was a very weird game. I don't know how much of this you've seen, guys. Um, obviously, Chelsea very comfortable the first half. Um, and then Southampton in the second half came out flying. They were just they were excellent until James Ward-Prowse decided to get himself sent off. And then Chelsea just they do what Chelsea do really. Like Chelsea down to ten men is dangerous enough and can nullify teams. But when you've got ten men and they've got eleven, um, you're especially a team like Southampton, you're on a hiding and nothing, Simon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you say, Chelsea first half very comfortable. Um, but then, yes, Southampton sort of actually went and had a bit of go at them. Uh, obviously, Chelsea coming off the back of two defeats, possibly there was a bit of vulnerability there. But, I mean, as soon as Will Prowse went off, you, you kind of felt the winner was going to come. The one, I think, big taking point, the takeaway point from this game, it would be interesting to get your opinions on the, uh, the disallowed Werner goal. I mean, VAR, I think, had a bit of a, a shock with that one. I, I, I don't really know if it was much of a foul pass for the quit in the first place. Um, but even if it was, how how far back in play are, are, are they going to look at these things? Because there's quite a bit of time passed between that foul and the ball going in the back of the net. I, I thought that was a, a bit of a strange one, considering the, the lighter touch that seems to have been adopted this season with it. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's one of the, the, the it goes in the, the full run of play, doesn't it, for the, the disallowing one. Um, uh, Timo Werner must be really uh, the start I seen at the weekend. Whether it's true, I couldn't be bothered to actually research it. But that was his 16th goal that's been disallowed by far. And wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he must he must be just either really stupid with with offsides. I don't know what the what they're for. Whether it be fouls or offsides, either really really stupid or very unlucky because. He takes a lot of sticks, so if you add those 16 goals in, he'd be laughing. He certainly would. I think, I mean, I thought it was a foul, to be quite honest with you, but... Um, Is that just because it was Aspilicueta? Well, I mean, uh, if anything, <laughs> if anything, yeah, he should have been should have been booked, and not if not sent off, but um, <laughs> I, I think when it turns possession over and ultimately results in a goal, it's hard to say it's not in the face of play. Um, yeah. I don't think you can really say, well, because the cross in Chelsea didn't score directly, we'll just, you know, we'll wipe that out because it, you know, it wasn't like it got cleared and came back, like Chelsea kept the attack going. Um, I thought, I thought VAR was like right on the, right on the wire on this one. I mean, that, the, so you've already just said about the, the disallowed goal there, but the, the Ward Prowse tackle, um, obviously that got overturned on, on VAR as well. Um, he's kind of unlucky because I don't think he's gone into, you know, to, to, um, to try and do anything other than intercept the ball, and it's just 
it's just mistimed it badly, hasn't it? Um, did you think that was a red, or was it just? I kind of, I bet you like, yeah, I think he was a bit unlucky, but I just think with the way way it is now, you, you, you kind of you can't go studs in and like catch someone above the ankle. But I, I agree with you on like that. I think it's a genuine attempt to get the ball, and it's a challenge that I personally would only punish with the yellow cards. But um, I think just just the way it is now, that like, that has to be a red, unfortunately for him. Yeah, I was surprised it was overturned to be a red. Um, mm. I'd have had no issues if the referee gave a red card, you know, on first viewing. Because um, he, he's just not in control. I think I agree with you, Dave. He's, he's, there's no malice there. There's no. It's not even, as you say, it's not really a challenge. It's more just a, trying to intercept the ball and just miss time. But just the way he's caught the he's caught the Chelsea player um, and at the speed that he's coming in, at, obviously because he's trying to throw himself in to block the ball. Uh, I, I can see why. As I say, I was, I'm kind of surprised it was overturned to be a red, but I have no issues with it being a red. Um, but I could quite happily have seen it being a yellow and just kind of. I, I'd say if Chelsea were winning at that time, my uh, it be a little bit controversial. I think if Chelsea had already been winning, I don't think it would have been overturned to a red. Yeah, well, I, I could go along with that. Probably, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I would say the same. I've been against Liverpool, Man United, or City. You know, it's just that the big Chelsea were at home as well, weren't they? Um, it's just that big, almost big team bias that there's the we. There's, nah, it's definitely there. Let's not pretend. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it, you know, it's, it's always with stuff like that. I always go to if that was the other way round, would. Um, would love to cheek have been sent off for that challenge in, that, in those circumstances at Sanford Bridge. I don't think he would have been. As I say, take it on away. I think ultimately the, the decision is right. Um, I was just surprised it was that clear and obvious error when you look at some of the other obvious errors that haven't been overturned, sort of thing. But yeah, so it's just. I think VR, at least we're talking about it less. So I mean. Oh, I think it's been. I think it's been very much better. That's not great English, I know, but um, it's been, <laughs> it's been um, a lot better than it was last season. Well, ever has been, really. Um, I think. Yeah. Well, it's less, la- it's less last se- out anyway. <laughs> la- la- last season, we were com- coming on here, and it was every single week, virtually every game, there was something really wasn't there. Whereas we're what seven games into this season, and I don't, I can't really recall any anything like. That's, that's been hugely, hugely wrong or controversial with it so far. No, and the thing is as well, like even before VAR, it's, it's not like we ever went a weekend without talking about the decisions. So you don't mind the odd one or two where you go, well, that could go either way. Like that's just that's just football in general. But last last season was ridiculous, and that it was pretty much every game had some sort of shenanigans in it, and you thought, like, what's even the point of all this? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's been a million times better this year so far. So long may it continue. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Werner scored obviously the winner after the send off. So he finally got his goal. Um, <laughs> and then Ben Chilwell with a basically last minute third goal. Um, really good win for Chelsea, ultimately taking them back top of the league, I believe. Which yeah. they are, yes. So they're quite clear at the top of the league um, after their two games in a row. Slump, lack of goals as well. Three of you include the European game, I believe it was. Um, Yes, a really big win for for Chelsea there, Dave. Yeah, they um they kind of huffed and puffed a bit, and it didn't look like it was going to happen for a while. And then, as as you say, once once went down at ten, 
Um, I kind of gave them control back, but it's been a bit, as you say, a bit of a weird week for Chelsea. It was only, as you said last week, we, we had them pe- pegged as this sort of unstop- un- unstoppable force, and how on earth anyone going to stop these guys? And then it turned out it was actually quite easy. Um, <laughs> I thought Southampton played exceptionally well um, to get themselves level as well, and it was. I don't know if Southampton will be one of those teams who now, when they play against the big sides, have kind of fi- figured out the perfect balance of you know defending but also being able to hit them on the break. Yeah. The problem's going to come when they have to face teams and they're expected to win. They don't seem to have that. Um, they don't have a force up front. I know Adam Armstrong has joined, but he's very you know quite slight and quite nippy. Um, Chi Adams to me seems a bit, a bit like a note or something kind of striker where he's just he's just busy. <laughs> like, you know, he's not like he's not one thing or another. So. Um, I, I, they haven't won yet, and I know they've had difficult games. But they, it's going to be very interesting to see how they get on after the international break, where they've got Leeds and Burnley at home back to back. Watford, Watford away, Villa, and then Norwich away. Um, they need to pick up some points in, in in those five, and then we'll probably have a better idea of how Southampton are going to be. Um, but again, Livermendo, the right back, won the pen. Looks actually like their best attacking player. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, makes such a difference to them from from fullback. Because um, I mean, throughout the team, as you, you mentioned, obviously Che Adams, Adam Armstrong. I mean, Nathan Redman almost played as like a second striker. Tia Walcott's actually still playing football. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's they're just a weird team, aren't they? They really are. I really like the manager. I really, really I almost like the ideas he's got. It's just. Doesn't seem like a particularly well balanced squad, in my no. opinion. Um, and it's kind of borne out by the fact they've got Walker Peters playing left back at the minute. Um, I, I don't know if that's down to injuries or what, but it, it just it just seems a bit out of kilter, um, which they may have to sort out. Especially with Ward Prowse being out for three games now. Yes, you just worry where the goals are coming from with them, don't you? I mean, they obviously yeah. lost Danny Ings in the summons. They just haven't replaced him, which which is hard to do for a club like Southampton to replace that level of quality up front. But they, yeah, I think they they come January, they might need to have to fork out quite a bit of money on someone to try and help them stay up. Okay. <laughs> just before we move off this game, I've just seen Chelsea's bench for this game. Have, have any of you guys seen it? Have you paid attention to it? Uh, I'm just looking at it now. There's, nine, <laughs> there's nine players on the bench, and I reckon it could beat like the 11 players of like Norwich, Burnley. Kepa, <laughs> Alonso, Christensen, there's your two at the back in goalie. Jorginho, Datsao, Barkley and Mount, Anzaic and Kai Havertz. Just your 500 million or so on the bench just for nine players. No, wow. that's not bad, is it? That is a hell of a bench, yeah. Can, well, we, just, can we just actually quickly check how on earth has Ruben Loftus-Cheek found himself not only back at Chelsea but starting for Chelsea? Like, <laughs> how has that happened? Him and Ross Barkley back from the dead? Well, Ross Barkley got on before Kai Havertz, you know, the, like the young superstar world class that everybody wanted. Ross Barkley, who Aston Villa fans openly hated all last season, gets <laughs> off the park before him. I mean, I, I've got to be honest, I, I was gobsmacked to see Barkley getting Premier League football for Chelsea. <laughs> You should have just said Premier League football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chelsea, they're a strange club. Like, they're, they're great. Like, they are really good. And they're probably still favourites for the league. But 
they're just a weird bunch. It's just it genuinely is like playing football manager. Like that's that's all it is. It's taking all the money to one team and just buying every player in the world and trying to keep them all happy without them knocking on your door saying, I'm not getting enough game time. So you play them for a week just to shut them up. <laughs> I reckon that's all he's done with Barkley. Barkley's given him a bit of grief. He's had one good training session. Right, we'll bring him on. That'll shut him up. Now that's him back out the, out the team until the next sort of the League Cup comes up. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have a win, a win finally for Leeds United um, against now managerless Watford. <laughs> um, Twenty managers since two thousand and eight, I believe it is now. That is just nonsense. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll start with Leeds first before we go into the nonsense of Watford manager Dave. But a massive win. Um, I spoke to Ross obviously on Saturday, who was never as concerned as we were. <laughs> He says the rings were hunky dory, but for me, Leeds have been very flat up until this point. I mean, they were much better today. Um, eh, well, Saturday, sorry, uh, and well deserved win. Yeah, I think they obviously deserved it and should have been by more. Really, um, they'll be thankful when, when Bamford's back because they yeah. haven't really hit the goal trail particularly this season. Um, it seems to think it's Rafinha or not. I think I know. That I think the score came from centre half, didn't it? But um, yeah. They'll be chuffed to have a win at last because there's what four teams now who don't have one, um, and I think Leeds are better than all four on 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 paper anyway. So um, they'll hopefully be able to get themselves up and running now and get themselves away from the bottom three. And um, the next game, as I said earlier, they've got Southampton, they've got Wolves, they've got Norwich. They should be looking to take about seven points from those games, I think. So yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. So every chance they'll get themselves up and running now. Um, Dare we talk about Watford? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, as somebody who's desperate to get into a manager, Dave, like, the way Watford go through managers is just, like, the, the, the league should have to look into something like this. This surely, like... <laughs> well, that's it. Like, I can't decide whether, I'm, whether, I, whether I applaud how ruthless they are, or, um, <laughs> I mean, there's no way to treat, treat people, but I mean, I'm sure he gets paid off for it, so I'm sure he's not that bothered. Um... We kind of we know what we're about, like you say. You know, they seem to go well to us. That looks like you're in trouble, so let's not take any chances here. Let's get rid of you. Um, it didn't work last time in the league, and they obviously went through what four managers. Yeah. Um, they got promoted by having a bit of stability, and then they've gone well. It doesn't look like it's going to work again, lads. So, to to you. Um, Ranieri has been lined up now. I know Ranieri won the league with Leicester and it was a great story and all that. I really don't rate him as a manager. Not these days. I think he got... I, think he got, I wouldn't say lucky at Leicester because I don't want to take anything away from what, what an achievement it was, but as soon as you took Kande out of the mix, they nearly got relegated um, the following season. So um, I don't really buy into how much... I mean, he fundamentally played a 4-4-2. It wasn't like he came up with some sort of tactical genius. Like he, he played a 4-4-2 with Kande, Mares, and Vardy. And they all came together nicely at the, at the right time. Um, I hope they appoint him because I don't think he'll do an awful lot with them. To be quite honest. Yeah, I think yeah, he was, they, they they bottled the storm when they got Ranieri uh, Leicester, as you say. They got three players playing at a world class level every single game of the season. They got a defence to come together who who were okay, like they're a good defence. But they just clipped that season and 
you know, Johnny Evans and who was the guy? Wes Morgan, wasn't it? Yeah, was it was it Evans was Evans there then or did he go? No, there? it was, it was uh, Robert Hooth. Oh, Hooth, yeah, yeah. So let's be honest, Hooth and Wes Morgan, <laughs> a Premier League winning team. Let's think about. Yeah, Watford owners don't deserve to finish in nice places. Like it's just, it just is brutal. Like the whole, I think the whole surrounding of the ownership of Watford and all the the, the teams and the players transferring, like internally, constantly, just. Well, I mean, I do. It's, it's fundamentally corrupt, isn't it? Like the way they swap yeah. players between between clubs. Like I saw Gerard Delafeu playing for Udinese the other day, and I thought, oh yeah, he's in the club, isn't he? So, <laughs> um, but it's an odd time to sack him. I know they've got two weeks to find a replacement, but let's be honest, they probably already know where the replacement is. Um, the next games: Liverpool at home, Everton away, Southampton at home. All right, they might win that one. Arsenal away, Man United at home. If they're hoping for like a new a new manager bounce. <laughs> You might as well wait until the games are out of the way. <laughs> Just let let old Perez Munoz take a hit on those because they are very difficult games. <laughs> That's uh, I'd be surprised if Watford pick up more than maybe three or four points from those. But I reckon they've got another new manager by Christmas. <laughs> See, yeah. I, I wouldn't be in the slightest bit surprised. Like, <laughs> I reckon they get Ranieri in this week. See, right? Let's see, he comes in on Wednesday. Gets the international break with him, loses the next six games on the bounce, and then is sacked by the end of November, start of December, just in time for a new manager to come in from Italy uh, <laughs> over the Christmas break. Well, I mean, it, it's not going to surprise you. It's like they don't do things the conventional way. Kiko Sanchez Flores has probably got his bag packed. He's ready to come back. <laughs> it, it's just. Oh. It's just the oddest way. What I also find, when you think about it, all these weird managers they've appointed over the years, at one point they went, you know who we need? Nigel Pearson. How, <laughs> yeah. like, how, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> it's like a conveyor belt of European <laughs> managers. And then the, 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 the manager looks like he'd quite happily beat the shit out of all of his uh, players at the same time. Like, yeah, God, we'll give him a go. And he nearly kept them up as well. The, the man operating the conveyor belt was like, well, you've got, you got no one else left. <laughs> it's just yeah. so odd to think about that, isn't it? Like, oh, it's not <sighs> they're, such, they're such a strange club. Yeah. Like, I mean... It's the the Watford manager's job now is is basically just like a really well paid internship, isn't it? <laughs> That's, yeah, it is. I'll yeah. keep the job if it's on offer. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and, and take the pay off. I'll, I'll quit my job. I'll manage them for six months and take the the million pound pay off. I'm fine with it. But like, what what quantifies success for them? Like after seven games, like where do they have to be in the table? They're fifteenth. Yeah, as a newly promoted club, right? We aren't newly promoted, and we're nineteenth. Norwich are nearly promoted in their bottom with one point, right? Those two clubs should probably think about, you know what, our manager's not really working out. Watford should be a cock a hoop. It should be given Moonas statues and all sorts. Yeah, it's that like I mean kind of, you know, we all know that they're they're mental club. But but this is one that it just really doesn't make any sense because it's not as you say, the the fifteenth, seven points after seven games. No point of game. If they carried on that to the end of the season, obviously thirty-eight points. You're more than likely going to stay up. So yeah. I don't. You know, it's just it's a really weird. I mean, I I personally do think they they will go down because I I don't think they've got the quality certainly in the in the defence. But you know, it, it, who it's not like they're going to get 
get, you know, some, well, you might assume it's not like they're going to get some absolute world-class manager in. He's going to turn them into a top 10 team. Like whoever they get in, you think he's going to be of the similar standards to all these other managers they've had over the last however many years. So I don't, it just, it really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, no good manager's going to touch them just to the way managers are treated. Like, no good, like, top manager. Mm. You know, like, it, it is going to be that conveyor belt, as Dave says. Um, they'll just keep going round and round who are, who are willing to come into a job for six six months to a year. Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to know what their longest managerial stint in the, the 13 years, 2008, so yeah, 13 years, yeah. Mm. So in the 13 years, they've had 20 managers. I wonder what the longest stint is. <laughs> I mean, probably Florence's first stint, I would have thought, when they got the FA Cup final and things like that, and they thought yeah. things, things were looking rosy for them, then he got pinned. <laughs> not, not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> just just crazy. Um, the teams like that deserve to go down. I, I'm the opposite. I still think they've got enough quality in attacking, and Dennis and Saar, um, they are terribly defensively, but the goalkeepers are, they're not, like, they're not fuck-ups. You know, they're, they're not great goalkeepers anymore, but, you know, they're no, they're no Jordan Pickwards. <laughs> so I think they'll be, I think they'll be okay. Um, I mean, probably the biggest worry for them is that we should have scored four or five against them last week. Yes. And the only probably watched that and gone, oh, okay, now. And that's yeah. why they got it done. So. <laughs> they probably also thought, hang on, like, Leeds have kept a clean sheet against us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Newcastle should have scored five and right, we are done. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll leave that there anyway. Leeds with our first one. Um, maybe Bielsa Ball is back. Uh, right, Dave, sorry, mate. Uh, next up is a trip to the Molyneux where Wolves came away 2 1 winners against your Newcastle United. Talk us through it if you, if you dare. Uh, it was just another, a very poor game of football. Like, Wolves didn't have to do an awful lot to win. Um, Stats-wise, it was a fairly even game, but we didn't really get a you know a, a foothold in the match whatsoever. And the two Wolves goals are, as usual, very avoidable. Um, I thought Darlow could have done better with, with both goals. Um, from fairly tight angles, he offered up an awful lot of the goal on one side, which obviously they, they exploited. Um, it was just another another bleak day. Um, I mean, even the goal we got, I mean, Jeff Hendrick is much maligned, to put it politely. Um, the goalkeeper was lying prone on the floor and Hendrick still managed to nearly hit him when he, when he scored his goal, but just just about got it in. But we're going nowhere fast. Um, we've had seven, seven games. One of them was obviously at Old Trafford. The other six we could have taken things from. To have no wins after those games is, is, is worrying. Um, our next three after the international break, we've got Tottenham at home, which you wouldn't fancy us to win. We've got Palace away. We've got Chelsea at home. I don't think we're going to win any of them. But then after Brighton, we won't win that. We've got Brentford at home. Brentford are pretty good. We'll come on that but later on. I'm not sure when we're going to win. Yes, ever. Like, I'm, I'm very concerned. Even like Derby County rubbing their hands together going, oh, here's, our, here's our chance to get out of the record books. Um, it's just awful. Um, the only good thing that's happened this week was that the court case started and um, seemed to go in our favour so far, but no no official hearing until, well, whenever they decide to give an official hearing. Um, but, but I guess it's going to be too late. Like, it's going to be typical that they're going to approve this takeover and the Saudis are going to be like, well, 
you know what, I'll add you 15 points drift, so we'll probably give it a miss, and then this hell will continue forever. Oh. Even even me and Simon are kind of, we're almost coming at the Newcastle fans and feeling it for you now, Dave. <laughs> um, I mean, Simon, did you see much of this game? <clears throat> um, just the highlights of the match of the day, and uh, I mean, you sort of saying how the, the stats, you make you think it was fairly even, I think from what I saw, that's the case of stats, you know, very much hiding the yeah. reality because, like, I, I mean, from what I saw, you know, Wolves, they they looked, they never looked like they were in it, any danger of losing that game, despite Steve Bruce's interview afterwards saying, you know, it could have gone either way. I'm thinking, come on, Steve, like who? What I don't get with with his post match interviews is. Who does he think he's fooling? Like, I know. <laughs> fo- majority of football fans aren't idiots. Like, they, they you know, you, you, you watch the game yourself. So, the last thing you want is when you, you've seen your team playing shit and, like, get absolutely battered, and the manager's coming out trying to convince you, well, you know, we, we you know, that, that, that was a close game. We could have got something from there. But that, that must be infuriating. And I think what what I've really sort of come to sympathise with the Newcastle fans over the last sort of 12 to 18 months is the amount of pundits and people in the media trying to convince them that Bruce is doing a good job and that they should be grateful. Yeah. I mean, you had that prat Daddy Murphy on Match of the Day uh. last night again, trying to like... He was basically trying to say, oh, you know, who can they get in? You know, Bruce... He was basically, wasn't he, Dave? singing Bruce's praises and it's like well, he's a joke I mean, he's, he's done this before as well like he's so quick if we ever win a game he's like well you bloody hell Steve Bruce he's good you know but like he ignores the fact we've lost the previous 17 like yeah. like last night uh, Ian Wright and Gary Lineker made good points you know about all the, the failings we've got and Danny Murphy's like well it's not that bad I was like is it not funny like what, 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 why do you think it's not that bad he's like well I've scored a lot at the bottom half of the table quite entertaining Great. Thanks, Danny. I tell you, we're not entertaining. Absolutely got over. We had two shots on target yesterday. Two shots on target, and again, we lost 2-1. Um, the other thing that annoys us as well about us, generally, we had we committed five fouls yesterday. And if you look at the goal that they scored, like Jimenez is saying, just sort of walking through. Sean Longstaff tries to trick him. No, he tries to trip him over. Just push him over. Like, foul him. Do it properly. Take a cut. Yeah. Like, we're so soft-centred in everything we do. Like, it, it's... It's annoying, and as you say, the, the pundits follow themselves to praise Steve Bruce. Well, no one could do anything better. I really think that's not true. Like, if you look at like another Bruce's favorite things to say as well, you know, we're trying to change the style, but it, it takes time. If you look at someone like Crystal Palace, Patrick Vieira's come in, and all right, they haven't pulled up loads of trees with the results, but the style of play is a thousand times better than it was under Roy Hodgson, and he's done that in se- seven games. We're in the third season, of Steve Bruce now. Well, if you look at um, Nottingham Forest in the Championship, bottom of the table, no wins in whatever it was, 10 games or something. Steve Cooper comes in, they've won three games in a week. Oh, how has he done that? What a <laughs> fucking marvellous genius man he must be. Managed to change the style of a team in a week. Yeah. It's just like, they just ignore what's going on around them. And because Steve Bruce is, you know, he's quite pally with a lot of these people, um, he, he can't be a bad manager. He has got the worst win record of any manager in Premier League history. He is, he's about to have his thousandth game in management, and his win ratio is something like 
don't quote me on the exact figures, but it's not much higher than that. That's god awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's absolutely horrendous. And for some reason, people think he's going to keep us up. And this is a genius who's got Sam Maxim playing on his own up front. <laughs> and he's got Dwight Gale on the bench. And I know Gale's might not be fantastic, but he's saying, well, you know, we don't really play the formation for Dwight Gale. It's like, well, maybe you should. Maybe you should find a way to put your centre forward in the team, whilst Wilson's not here. Because when Wilson comes back, he's not going to play wide on the left, is he? Or wide on the right. You're going to have to change it again, aren't you? Like, it's just... Uh, to, to, like the, the point you used to bring up there about Callum Wilson, that, that was one of the, obviously the other things, uh, the other genius bit of insight from Murphy last night was they've got to keep Wilson fit. Well, it's, that's, that's a bit of a, a strange thing to say because that's a difficult thing to do. Someone who's injury prone, like you, you surely as a manager, well, you'd like to think your manager would have, knows you've got a striker, yeah, who when he's available is very good, but isn't going to be available for the fair portion of the season. So maybe have some sort of other plan, like you say, playing the other centre forwards you've got at the club could be an idea. Well, that's it. He hasn't even tried it, though. And that's what I find oddest of all. Like When he played Gale last season, he, he was playing this, this split striker system. Gale is never really going to play as a wide forward. Like It's just not him. But when Wilson plays, he just plays as a number nine, as you'd expect him to. And there's no, no reason Gale can't do that. I mean, as I say, he's not... He's not brilliant, of course he's not. That's why he plays for us. But he, he would take some of the chances that Joe Linton's missed, and Joe Linton's in the team every week, regardless. Which again is astounding because he's worse than useless. Um, but it's just excuse after excuse after excuse, and nothing ever changes. Um, I, I just find it really demotivating, and it's got to the point now where, like, literally, there must be a manager out there. You went in Watford there, who you know. You take the Watford job, you know you're having it for six months. Windows are draw, you're going to get sacked. But they're probably capable of keeping the team we've got up because we've got better players than a Watford, for example. And people are very keen to go, oh, well, you know, the team's not good enough. No, no, the team Rafa had wasn't good enough and he got them to 10th. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce has added St. Maximin. He's had you know, Al, 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 Almiron to more than six games. He's got Joe Willock. He's um, Wilson. Callum Wilson when he's fit. Um it's just not a bottom three team. It's not a brilliant team, of course it's not, but it's better than 19th with three points from seven games. Um, and I think people are deluding themselves, I think that's otherwise. Um, I could I could rant all day about it, it gets on me tits. Like, we've got so many square pegs. <laughs> I just, I cannot fathom the team we play week in, week out. Like, Ryan Fraser, we go on about how well, Another of Bruce's great quotes is, oh, you know, if we could just get Fraser and, and St. Maxwell on the pitch at the same time, we'd be, we'd be a much better team. Why? I mean, Fraser sits on the bench doing nothing. Like, ah, oh, well, you know, bring on Jeff Hendrick. Bring on Jacob Murphy. Like, Fraser just sits collecting his money. Like, just play him. If he's any good, fine. But we'll never know if you don't play him. Like, now we're playing winners. Put him on the pitch. Instead of Joe Lynn or anybody. Like, you know, this... Uh, it's just enough. We've got we could be so much better than we are, and it doesn't even take like a genius to figure out some of the things we could do to be better. Um, where's Nigel Pearson? Oh, he's at Bristol City. If Nigel Pearson gets sacked, appoint him, and we'll pull his steel. Like that's the caliber of manager we need. Just bog standard manager who isn't an idiot, and we'd be fine. Like we'd, there must be a manager on the continent who's like out of work, thinking, "Well, I could I could work with those people." And you're probably right. You could. Yeah, probably just at local amateur level, to be honest, Dave. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I 
did did you did you guys go from Rafa to Bruce? Was that yes. Yeah. Yes, we did. Is that the biggest step down in manager history? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it couldn't it couldn't be any more chalk and cheese. Like one of them is meticulously prepared for everything, um, has a plan A and probably a plan B. Um, the team is drilled and sticks to it. Steve Bruce turns up on a Monday and he's like, "Right, lads, have three have three days off. Um, we'll work on the shape on Thursday." There's just nothing goes on. Like there's there's no sense of cohesion. The players, uh, to be fair, they, they do play from. I don't I don't get the impression the players have down tools. There's no lack of, you know, I've, I've seen some horrendous Newcastle teams over the years who ship, you know, lose three 0 every week and there's no sort of effort involved. The defeats are all narrow. I guess that's a positive. Like it's, yeah. it's not it's not for lack of trying. They just they aren't coached into into playing a particular system or. Where other teams find that extra 10%, we actively don't even look for it. Like we're happy to, be, to give the bare minimum. And if it wins, then great. And if it doesn't, then well, there you go. There's, there's no jeopardy in there. Um, another thing that annoys us, and this is not necessarily just about Newcastle, but have you noticed that every single player who played for Alex Ferguson, who's now a manager, is absolutely fucking hopeless in the world? <laughs> like, there is. I went through a list earlier, and I was like, I don't think there's a single one here who's actually been any good. Like, both Neville's useless. Roy Keane useless. Mark Hughes useless. Bruce worse than useless. Ryan Giggs jury's out literally. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Paul Ince Paul Ince worse than useless. Mark Mark Roberts <coughs> well all right all right at League One level. Um, I, I couldn't think of a single one. Well, you know what? He's really done well for himself. Like. So on that, is, is that an indictment on on Ferguson at all? Like from what? Because obviously they're learning the managerial traits, really, from him. I just find it incredible that none of them, yeah. like, no one's picked up a single bit of good knowledge from. Like, is it, was Ooh. it just was he just a really good motivator? Well, that, I mean, that was his that was his biggest fear, wasn't it? Because let's be honest, buying and selling players, he was terrible at. Like, not terrible, but nowhere near what people make him out to be. And the amount of last minute goals, that's down to him and he's just uh, he's dominance over <laughs> he's he's <laughs> <laughs> like you know like the team to be fair to Man United regardless they, they were attacking literally till that last minute like 3-0 down like were you I mean we seen Man United like one or two down at half time and never once when we were younger were we really confident that they were going to lose the game yeah, uh, I I I saw Vin on the wrong end of a number of those number of those types of games. I've seen us be two 0 up with ten minutes to go against United and lose. So yeah, he spent most of his most of his life ruining my childhood, to be honest. So I, you know, I'm quite, quite happy to talk down his legacy. But it's, I mean, you know, it's this is the point that all these all these players who played from not not one of them has picked anything up useful. Like, I mean, I, I think it's. Classic case of uh, people getting managerial jobs based on their name rather than their yes. actual qualifications and ability. Well, yeah. none, of, none of them have been willing to go down to like a League Two team and build up their managerial reputation, have they? they all... well, 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 Paul Ince did, and that didn't work. Oh, he did start at the top, and that didn't work, so he went down at the bottom with MK Dons. Did he go to Blackburn first or MK Dons first? Oh. I think he was... He was definitely at a lower league team and had done quite well and then got the Blackburn job uh, from a league one team. He went back to the Dons, didn't he? Well, it didn't yeah. work out the second time. 
And then you had Teddy Sheringham, who like started it, like, I don't know, was Exeter or something like that? That didn't work out either. What you, what you can also add to that, none of them make very good pundits either. <laughs> Just to... I know, but they're all too scared to criticise their mates. Like, this is the problem. Like, you mentioned Murphy there with Steve Bruce. It's like, it's, it's, like, I think Michael Richard said it once as well. He was on Five Live and were, when Newcastle won the terrible run last year of like two wins in 20, whatever it was. Like, oh, Michael, what do you think? He's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticise Steve Bruce because he was my, you know, he's my former manager, he's my mate. I'm like, exactly. you're in the wrong job. Yeah. Like, you're totally yeah. in the wrong job. Like, all you're doing is being paid to give an opinion on what's happened. Like, not who your mate is. <laughs> and it's just an old boys club. Well, I'm, in a, I'm in a foul mood tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, that's why we have an independent podcast. We can criticise <laughs> them when the media people like... I hate calling people like Danny Murphy the media because he's an absolute disgrace of... Oh, he's just, an, yeah, he's, just, he's literally just an egg in a seat. Like, he is an absolute waste of skin. He's like, he's so, I, I, I hate him. He's so bitter about his Liverpool. He hates Rafa as well. Absolutely hates him. Um, which is another reason to hate Danny Murphy because I just. Was he, what's he hate him for? Give him the best time of his career? Or, or do you sell him before you got. I think, yeah, I think it was the selling the way out. Like, Danny Murphy still believed he was like the best midfielder at the club. Um, he, he talk, I mean, just listen to Talksport for five minutes when he's on because he discusses it at length every time. Mm. Well, you know, you got people like Gary Agbonlaho who, who he was another one who was in the media saying how how uh, how much he loves Steve Bruce and how loyal he is, and just ignores the fact that he, you know, has managed both Birmingham clubs and both Newcastle, both North East clubs and and uh, both Sheffield clubs and all these other, you know, it's like how can you see past this? Like he's just a mercenary waiting for another payoff. Which may never come, but can't come soon <laughs> enough at the same time. Yeah, well, the thing is, I suppose like th- this will you surely think be Bruce's last job at a Premier League club. So there's no <laughs> there's no way he's going to resign because no one else in the Premiership is you think in their right minds will give him a job. So he he's just waiting to get sacked, isn't he? Yeah, a thousand percent. Like I don't think he cares. He cares at all. Um, I think he would quite happily get sacked tomorrow, but it's not going to happen. Like, no, Mike actually won't want to pay him out, and uh, it's, it sounds like it's in the region of four million pounds, and we won't spend that on Hamza Chowdhury on loan. So I mean, we're not going to send him sacking Steve Bruce. So. <laughs> um, I think we'll we'll leave that discussion there, Dave, and we will continue it after the next game that <laughs> you guys will play, um, because this might be a, an ongoing discussion. For the foreseeable, anyway. Um, we'll go on to the last game on Saturday, which was Brighton nil, Arsenal nil. Now, we, we tend not to discuss nil-nils, um, so we won't spend too long on it, but Brighton must consider themselves very unlucky here because they were phenomenal in this game. It's like Brighton of last yeah, season, wasn't it? I only saw the last 10 minutes, so I'll let you uh, go to town on it, but um, from what I saw, it was very, very, very wet. Um, <laughs> It, I mean, it, it was it was almost basically like watching the Brighton game from last season. I mean, yeah. they, they they if they if Neil Mopay had a pretty shooting boots on or whoever they had the centre forward who, who's going to get on the end of some of the balls that were flashing across, I think they'd have probably won it fairly comfortably. Um, I think it's what it was interesting from a from an Arsenal point of view. I, I think a lot of their fans 
got a bit carried away with, with their last couple of results. You know, they, they beat Burnley and Norwich, which isn't anything to write home about. And they beat, obviously, a dreadful Tottenham team last week. And you know, Spurs just didn't turn up at all. And Arsenal always, always beat Tottenham at the Emirates in the North London derby. Anyway, so I think they got a bit carried away and it was a bump back down to earth coming up against a good, well-coached team. And it, it shows them the level that they're at again. Um, and I, I thought it was quite interesting after the game. Yeah, Jack Wilshire in the studio. The way they were, they were all talking, they were like trying to really big it up. Like, oh, this is a really good point for Arsenal. This, like, this Arsenal, like, how how far have they fallen? Where everyone is saying a battling nil nil draw away at Brighton is a great performance and a great result for Arsenal. Like, I, I thought it was quite interesting how. How far? I think mean, that just shows the level that they are now currently operating at. But Brighton, you know, the, as I say, it was just like watching them last season. I, I think we're all fans of them on on here, and they've it's another another point to uh, for their good start to the season, just continuing. I I am really disappointed in Brighton in one way that they haven't reached out to stop Daniel Sturridge and try to get him on some sort of deal. I know he's obviously went to a... Is it Perth Glory in Australia now? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I think, like, the way they play, if they could have built... that, Well, that team is built and put just put Sturridge up front. Even if they only got a year out of him, you know, get him on some sort of... Not pay-per-play deal, but, you know, just something. I think he'd be perfect for them. Um, they, they just... How they haven't signed a striker again this season? Um, after I mean, we all, all three of us praised them last season. Said they had a goal scorer, they were top half, mid table anyway. You know, comfortably, they just needed a goal scorer. Um, and it's the same. I mean, they've definitely been better this year. Mopey's got a couple more goals, but none of them you look at are going to get you. You don't even look at them and comfortably think, yeah, they'll get you ten to twelve league goals this season. And that's got to be a concern. I'm, I'm not even discussing it. Arsenal are still relegation candidates for me. <laughs> they're just, they really are. Like, they, they have looked better. But, as you say, Simon, the teams that they've beat, they should be beaten. And if they're not, then, yeah, like, where are you? But for me, Brighton, 14 shots off target, 5 on target. That's great, because you're making the chances. But I didn't want to go another year saying, oh, Brighton should have got more out of this game. Yeah. I, 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 anyway, enough about enough about my ranting on Brighton strikers. Um, as I say, it was an all-out game. We will use that moment to take a quick break, and we will be back with Sunday's games. And we are back, and the first game on today, on Sunday, was Crystal Palace two Leicester two. Dave, um, a battle and battle back for Crystal Palace. As you mentioned, obviously the job Vieira's done earlier. Um, this is a really good point, having been 2 0 down at half time. Yeah, I, I thought Palace, Palace would be awful, to be honest. Um, and you, you look at them and say, well, they've only won one in seven, but you know, the performances have been quite good, especially, um, you know, I think Conor Gallagher's looked brilliant in that midfield. And even when they were 2 0 down today, I always kind of fancied them to get, if they got one back, you know, you kind of thought they would definitely get an equaliser, and obviously that's how it played out. Um, I think, as well, from Palace's point of view, it's the, the not. Massively reliant on Zaha anymore, which they totally were under Hodgson. You know, Zaha didn't play, Palace didn't play, but didn't really have anything to do with either goal today. 
um, which was probably as pleasing to them as anything else because he's obviously a tremendous talent. But um, to be able to spread out the, the goals amongst the team and have other players contributing, assisting things, um, I think that's, that's going to be good news for them. Um, they did well to come back and they've turned down because Leicester looked like Leicester of all for a little bit and then they look like the Leicester of the current times, which is very, very flimsy. And in the end, Palace were probably unfortunate not to win it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I'm just so impressed, Simon, at how well Vieira has done. Um, and don't get me wrong, the results haven't been, you know, as Dave said earlier, like, they're not pulling up trees, they've, they've not got like a... A massive amount of points. I mean, I mean, they're fourteen. They've only got seven points, same as Watford. Um, but to to go from having basically no players last season, the way they finished under Roy and Vieira coming in, um, he, he he's doing such a really good job here. Yeah, yeah, I've been impressed. Um, it was kind of I think at the start of the season when we were sort of doing our predictions and that I think I said about Paris that. It, like, it could go one or two ways. It could be an absolute disaster or it could be quite a, an interesting season for them. And so as you said, they, it's not like they haven't blown anyone away, but they, there's definitely a, a real difference in, in the way that they, they play now compared to under Hodgson. And that's, that's not having a go at Roy Hodgson. He, I think he did a great job there and he, you know, he had limited, tools to work with really other than Zaha and Eze coming in for last season he didn't really have an awful lot of quality players to work with but they've obviously decided to go in a, a different direction and it, it seems to be working reasonably well so far I mean a draw against Leicester been 2-0 down is a decent result so I think one of they've got four draws this season one of them was away at West Ham where I think they went behind twice in that game so mm-hmm. that's come back there so They've, they're showing that they've got a bit of character about them as, as well. And some decent players. I mean, they've still got Milivojevic and McCarthy in that midfield. So you've got that the sort of palace of old, that, you know, the players that will dig in and do the dirty work. But then sprinkled around that little bit of quality. And Conor Gallagher, I think he's, he's a really good player. I thought he was probably one of West Brom's best players, if not their best player last season. <coughs> Excuse me, he started this season really well. And like Dave said, they're not overly reliant on Zaha, but they've still got him to provide those sparks of quality. So, sort of surrounding him with better players, I'd say Edwards has seems to have settled in really nicely. Um, so yeah, man, Vieira's, Vieira's done a really good job. So well, a, a, a decent job, decent start to start with, and it's, it'll be interesting. Be worth keeping an eye on them as as the season develops to see to see what more they can do. Really, I think I think they'll have an interesting season. Dave, yeah, on the on the other touchline, um, obviously you know I'm I'm no <laughs> big fan of Mr. Rogers, um, but he's not started great this season. Europe's not looking well for Leicester. Do you think he'll come under any pressure at any point, or do you think he's built up enough credit in the bank over the? Two, two seasons, two and a half seasons? Um, I think he's got a lot of credit in the bank. And he's obviously, you know, they won the FA Cup not 10 games ago, like all in really. It wasn't that long ago at all, was it? But um, what we've got at the minute, they're struggling to get out the Europa League group as it stands because they've got one point in two games. They're the 13th with eight points and, and look, you know, miles off where they were last season. Um 
so already you're starting to think, well, you know, it's, it's not looking great for them. Um, I don't know, like, what what happens if they if they you know they're tenth at Christmas and out of the Europa League and I don't know they're obviously probably not going to win the League Cup. So, what do you say, like, will Rogers go? Well, actually, I've taken as far as I can go with it. Um, or is he the type who who will stick with it? Um, as far as I remember, he's, he obviously was he was sacked from Liverpool, but otherwise he's kind of stayed at, at clubs for quite a while until he's you know until like the next level comes along. I'm not really sure where you go up from Leicester because he without getting one one of the big jobs. Um, you've mentioned Arsenal before. Um, it's amazing how since we last talked about this, Arsenal are now ahead of Leicester in the league table. Um, <laughs> And all of a sudden, you actually do think that, you know, if Arteta left and Rodgers wanted to change, it's quite a lot to work with at Arsenal. Um, I know yeah. we've, we've said how, how dodgy they are, but they've also got a lot of young players, not too dissimilar to Leicester, really. Um, I guess, o- o- you know, Aubameyang's age and legs are kind of the, the, uh, the elephant in the room there, and that he's going to need replacing at some point, as is like I said. And centre forwards don't come cheap, but that's you know probably a problem for a couple of years' time. Um, that might be his next move, but I think it would take Leicester to pretty much be where they are now. Um, come either you know the end of the season, or I don't think I think the season's probably too soon for him to go. I think he's got enough credit in the bank to last to last the season if he wants to anyway. Yeah, um, the both teams worth keeping an eye on for the next next couple of months anyway. <laughs> Um, I mean the the European ones for me. If you look at what I, I know, I like sticking the boot in, but Rogers' record in Europe, wherever he's been, is is goddamn awful. Um, <laughs> Liverpool, Celtic, doesn't matter. Champions League, Europa League. For some reason, I, I don't know what it is, but he just can't manage in Europe. <laughs> um, but I mean, his record in the league, um, and obviously with the FA Cup win last year, has been. I'm not saying ex- like exemplary, I'm going to say exemplary, but unfortunately he's bought on top four twice um, when they were like <laughs> two or twenty points clear. We only nineteen to play for, and he still missed out. Harsh reality. But uh, yeah, I mean they were out the out the seventy six weeks of the season. They were in the top four for seventy one, seventy seventy one of them. That's it's almost inexcusable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll not bash him too much as much as I, I like. I'll wait until he gets sacked and then I can, <laughs> can have a Steve Bruce type rant, Dave, when it comes. We will move on to the second game of the day, Simon, and it's coming to you. Um, I was very disappointed with Villa here. Uh, I thought this was uh, going to be a comfortable one for you guys, but 2 1, I know it sounds bad, but you, well, losing 2 1 at home sports is no real you know, disgrace, but. I just thought you were coming into the game the better team and Spurs were in a bit of disarray, but you somehow threw it away. Yeah, I mean, I, I during the week, I, I felt exactly the same. I, I was all week very, very confident that we'd go and win there. And then when I woke up this morning, I thought, because you've been so confident all week, Tottenham are going to win this, aren't they? Like, <laughs> and, I mean, to be honest, I, I've only seen... Um, sort of a couple of minutes highlights on these uh, Sky YouTube channels. I haven't really, haven't seen anywhere near enough of the game. But I've spoken to uh, a few mates who watched it on a illicit channel, shall we say? And um, yeah, Villa just by all accounts didn't turn up. Um, 
really disappointed. I, I think from what I've heard, the first sort of five, ten minutes of each half, we started quite well. And then just, just let them get back into it. And the goals we concede is just really, really poor goals. I mean, the first one, I think, uh, I think it's on the halfway line. Mings has a chance just to wipe out Son and he doesn't. And you're thinking, just take a yellow card there. Don't, don't let them get ahead of steam. And Son, again, from sort of bits I've seen and heard, was, was excellent today and completely ran the show. And for their second goal, he absolutely roasted <laughs> Courtney House. I mean, like, House houses can move, but Son, he, he just absolutely tore into shreds. And, uh, you look yeah, like you've torn a house on that. <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah. Like, it was unbelievable. Um, the, the, I think the, the disappointing thing from our point of view is having I mean, got ourselves back into the game to then just a couple of minutes later throw it away. Because you know, obviously with the run that Spurs have been on recently in the league, you think if you know, we equalised with about tw- just over 20 minutes to go, you think, right, well, you, you just stay calm and combat compact for five minutes or so and then the home crowds will start getting a bit restless because it's not a particularly happy place at the moment um, but once they went 2-1 up you just kind of thought oh, that, that's the game done there I mean dis- disappointing I suppose you look at the last three games we had Everton Man U away Tottenham away if you'd have said at the start of that run you'd get six points you know, they're probably bitting your hand off for it. So, it's disappointing, but it, I think it was just one of those days. Some, sometimes you, you just have a bad day at the office, and, and I think that's what's happened here. Obviously, going into the international break, we've got Wolves at home. I think it's the first game back after that, um, which is it's not a bad game, actually. I mean, it's not really a proper derby, but it is sort of a local derby at home. Um you know the crowd to be up for it, so Honestly, I, 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 you've, you've got nothing to worry about against Wolves. Like I, I know they beat us, but they uh, awful. Yeah, they? They, they don't look like anywhere near as good as they could be. Well, well, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, what, one of uh, one of the mates on the Villa uh, WhatsApp groups earlier today was saying he said, "Oh, you know, Wolves have picked up a bit of form," and I said, "Look, let's just pump the brakes. They beat Southampton and Newcastle." Like, it's not like they've, they've just gone and done Chelsea and Man City <laughs> coming into, you know, with the greatest of respect. So, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd back us to uh, to beat them. And we'll have Leon Bailey, should hopefully be back back fully fit for that game as well. So, disappointed, but you just, you know, get on with it. You know, we, we, we're 10th after seven games, considering we you know, a few new signings to bed in and had a few people out injured. So I, I'm I'm not overly worried to be honest. Dave, did you see much of this? No, no, it, was, it wasn't televised over here. So I, I'm just seeing the the YouTube highlights. But um, Spurs are very capable of, of beating you know teams like Villa and better because they've got you know weapons at the top end of the pitch. And when Son's on, they're a better team. Um, Kane. Kane looked sharper today, probably fair to say, without we obviously didn't score again, but um we've got them first game of the national break and I, I really hope Son's like flight is delayed. Like I don't you know <laughs> I don't wish him any ill will whatsoever, I just hope he misses the game for whatever reason. Like if he doesn't play all of a sudden you think, well, actually they're quite ordinary. Like 
Kane's a brilliant footballer. I know you don't really agree, Ali, but you know if you give him the ball around the box, he's generally pretty handy. If you stop Son getting on the ball and getting around him, all of a sudden he doesn't look anywhere near as big of a threat. Um, I think Son is has become their most important player. Well, certainly whilst Kane's in this current form, shall we call it. But um, I'm, I'm I'm never confident going into a game, but hopefully all their players go across the world and have to quarantine for too long when they come back, and that would be great. Hopefully they're all not double vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> we all wish that for sports, regardless of who they're um, I've only seen the same as yourself. I just Again, I've just I seen the results, seen the highlights, and was really disappointed for Villa. As you said, Simon, some injuries coming back. Probably a good time for the international break for you. Get players back, get them back training. Hopefully you don't lose any over the window. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing for us was Ollie Watkins getting off the mark for the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the best positive we can take from it. He's you know he's off the mark. So and he he's one of those players that you see he'll go for like four or five games without scoring, but then once he gets one, he'll then go six seven games scoring every game. So hopefully that'll be uh, the case this time around. Back in the England squad as well. Happy days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll get managed. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know. A Tokyo and Andorra coming up, Ali. That's the type of thing he'll thrive on. Ali, you take your minutes, both game. Guarantee. You need these token goals here. It doesn't matter how you play. You need the goals to, to bump up the stats. Uh, we'll move on to a game that I have seen absolutely nothing of, so I'm relying on both you guys. Um, again, I know Brentford are going well, but still a really big shock how, how good West Ham have been. The cost of the Euro- Europe, maybe. Um, but West Ham won Brentford too, Dave. Yeah, um, that's kind of what you just said there. I knew Brentford have been good this season um, since coming up, but West Ham have been brilliant for me. Um, really, really have handled it quite well, um, having Europe and things on the on the side. But uh, it looks like a bit of a smash and grab. You know, West Ham had far more possession and more shots, but Brentford nicked it later on. Um, again, I've only seen the the YouTube highlights, but um, I think. Looked like uh, Tony and Bremer were, were a handful again for Brentford. Um, they were both involved in the first goal, and uh, this new lad Visser is it Visser? Uh, I don't know how you say it, but he, he scored for the second week in a row to uh, to snatch a, to snatch the win. And what I'd, it's probably about time we started to say, oh, Brentford aren't you know just a newly promoted team, but they're actually just yeah you know an actual established Premier League team because they look like it. They're um they're seventh, they're four points off the top. Um and this result is, is very very impressive. my sceptical brain says they're this season's Sheffield United. Um I'd like to think they're probably better set up than Sheffield United. You know, they're not relying on this special technique tactics in that set up. Like they they're not doing anything like special as such, they're just doing everything very well, you know. They're, they're almost quite basic, you know, they're they're just doing it, you know, to the best of their ability. They've got some really good players. Ivan Tony, I, I watched a lot of it in the championship and I was definitely impressed, but when you I watched him also last week against Liverpool and he, the the boy is a handful. He's just he is everywhere. He's he's gonna have some offers, isn't he? At the end yeah. of the, uh, probably at the end of the season, I think. Um, you know, there's a few clubs who would probably quite fancy having I mean Dare you say it? If, if Kane leaves Spurs, yep. they could yeah. probably do worse than, than, than go for someone like Ivan Tony. But um, maybe we'll jump in the gun a bit there. But you know what? We're seven games in. He, he looks like he's been playing the Premier League for <coughs> for seventy games. Like he, he, he just 
totally a second like a duck to water. He, he looks more dangerous in the Premier League than he did in the Championship. Like he, he, I felt he drifted in and out of games when I watched him in the Championship. Um, I don't know if that's maybe a... I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like more he's got that bit between his teeth because he's got something to prove. Such, you know, you're coming up against the, the so-called best in the world as such. Um, but, yeah, he just, he has been on it this season and if they keep him fit, there's no reason they're not finishing top half this season. Um, they're, you know, they're very well set up, they're very well coached by all accounts. I, I like the system, the, the analytical like way they play, they, they obviously they do the finances the right way. You know, they they train well to sell. Um, I mean, ultimately that'll have to stop at some point. You know, you can't keep bringing players through and coaching them to that level just for them to be snatched up constantly. Um, there's only so long that works before you know. Ultimately, there'll be a failure somewhere down the line, and it could cost them could cost them a Premier League place. But you know, just now, Ivan Tony looks to be the next one. Who you could quite easily see him going fifty, sixty, seventy million. Like you say, there's been there's been a number of examples down the year of teams who've come up and they've got a special thing or a way of playing. And I kind of agree with you. And there's, you know, teams will figure out how to play against Brentford. It, 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 they always do. You know, we just take a bit of time to figure it out. Um, and I'm not saying they're going to be around in the top six for years to come or anything like that. But right now, yep. they're a total handful. Um, they're best than many established Premier League teams currently are. Um, as you say, the novelty might wear off at some point, but uh, they absolutely don't look like a team that's going to be anywhere near the relegation zone. Yeah, 12 um, points from seven already. That's... Uh, and then, you know, what happens after that? You kind of, you know, compare an apples with apples. It could be different players, could be different team, could be even different managers. You just don't know. It. Well, like, that, you know yeah. there's, a lot to, there's a lot to come in the future. But right now, they look solid as a rock. Um Good Premier League outfit um, and players who look pretty much to a man like they fit the system, which again is obviously a big part of what they do. Yeah, Simon, I mean, did you see much of this? Uh, and what I mean, what's on West Ham? Is it just down to also Brentford are good again, not taking anything away from them, but is this a, a it was almost a change team again from Europe midweek, which I thought they got a really good result in? Um, but was this just a. The Europa League, which English teams seem to struggle with, playing obviously Thursday Sunday. Um, I mean, it would appear to be so. I mean, again, like, are you guys already seen the uh, the YouTube highlights? Um, yeah, but it's, it's it's hard to to sort of answer that without seeing sort of the more extended set of highlights because you know just from the beach you see West Ham had a few decent chances that you know, they they. they Game probably could have gone either way, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's probably a case of just that curse of the Europa League Thursday night football. It, it, it's weird because it, teams who play the Champions League on a Wednesday don't seem to have massively ill effects on a Saturday. Uh, but, I mean, I may be wrong with that, but just from, from in general, from what you see, that, that, that never seems to be like a massive thing. Playing Thursday to Sunday just for some reason just seems to have like a, a weird effect on teams, and I think uh, from Brentford's point of view, obviously you know you guys are sort of covered it there. They will probably have some tough periods this season, so I think what's going on at the moment is a case of making hay while the sun's shining. You need to get these points in early doors while you can, so that when you do go through that difficult periods, 
you've got yourself like a nice little buffer from that relegation zone. I think it's quite strange that Moyes made no substitutions today, haven't played, as you say, Thursday night. <coughs> didn't, didn't use a single sub. Yeah, um, yeah, that was strange. And um, the biggest strange was they brought Fabianski back into the team. I really hoped that once they. Uh, Ori. Oh, I can't remember. Ariola, yeah. Ariola, that's it. Ori is the sports defender. Uh, I thought once he came in, that would have been that would have been it. Yeah, but hey, just weird not to make any subs in a game that you were chasing really, like through it all. Um, obviously, one 0 one all. Um, obviously, they they got the winner, but it one all. I mean, they only got the equaliser in the 80th minute. <coughs> So you would have thought, like, once they got that, the momentum would have been with them. Is that not the perfect time to even bring on one sub, even if it was a bit nervy beforehand? Well, I mean, they had Yarmolenko, Lanzini and Vlasichol on the bench there, who are right, maybe not better than what they've got on the pitch, but fresh legs, fresh ideas, you know. Yeah. Could have, could have done worse, I'd have thought. But, um, maybe, I mean, I say maybe if they were on top in the game that much, you probably wouldn't want to change it. But Yeah, um, maybe. I don't know. It just seems odd, but... I'm sure West Ham will bounce back. Um, I said a few weeks ago that we probably wouldn't see a better version of West Ham than we did in the opening weeks of the season, and I stand by that. So yeah. We'll see how they, how they get on afterwards. They've got Everton away, Tottenham at home, Villa away, Liverpool home coming up, so it's, it's, it's not a great run for them um, when, when, they get, when they get back. But they're, big, they're kind of like a big game team. They, you know, uh, they, um, yes. you know, they seem to raise their game against bigger opposition, so... Yeah, the players well, uh, who turn up in big games well, they never go hiding. Sometimes, if Moyes lets them play, it's um, you know, it's 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 you know, quite 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 possible. But uh, sometimes they go in the shell too much and, and sort of let themselves get smothered. But as we said a few weeks ago when they played Man United, that wasn't the case this time. So maybe they've turned a corner. Yeah, I hope so. I've enjoyed West Ham under Moyes. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching them in Europe actually. So mm, yeah, it's good. In you. Um, right, last game of the weekend then, which was a, a game oh. of the class, like a proper. The first half isn't really worth talking about, Dave. I think you, we both agree it was very, very, very scrappy. Very. Set had a lot of the ball. Uh, created two chances. I remember Allison making like one from Foden, I believe it was. Um, and I don't know who the other one was, but Allison was just like, really quick to react and. Well, that's the only thing I can really remember happening in the first half. I don't know. It, it was basically like Liverpool would play a long ball over the top, looking for Mane, and Walker would head it back to the goalkeeper yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And, at, and at the other end, pretty much Foden against Milner down the left hand side, and Allison was, you know, had to be on his game to be advanced enough to kind of be able to deal with it. And that was the pattern of the first half. Um, we were talking off air about how just. How annoying it was because um, Liverpool centre midfield, in particular a, a certain Jay Henson, just couldn't do anything right. <laughs> and then Man City played him very well because they, you know, they, they, they snapped yeah, in the tackle. <laughs> well, just in, in the middle of the park, in terms of possession, turned over and they were they were sort of like hounding around Liverpool players getting the ball. There was no breaking of the lines whatsoever, um, and it just made for a very very dull, scrappy game. Um, but the second half was far better, which I'll let you uh, tee up. Yeah, no, but it's, uh, whatever, especially whatever Klopp and the coaching staff, I thought Liverpool were very lacklustre in the first half. At least City were trying, probing. Um, I think the lack of strikers definitely showed in the first half. But the second half, Liverpool came out like it was like a different team. 
Um, still played with ten men, unfortunately. With Henderson still playing on the field. Um, we have fifty percent pass completion rate of the the superstar that he is. Um, we conceded. Well, we went one 0 up. Uh, Salah was brilliant. Um, Fabinho gave him the ball, cuts inside, plays a lovely ball to Manny. Manny shoots across the goalkeeper. Great one nil. Uh, oh. Tell you what, 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 I felt what I noticed about that goal was that about maybe two minutes before the goal, um, Cancelo got booked for fouling Milner. Milner inter- <laughs> intercepted and sort of, I wouldn't say burst forward, but waddled forward. And <laughs> Cancelo chopped him and got a yellow card. And if you look on the Mane goal, Salah goes past Cancelo and he obviously can't tackle him. Ah, right. Uh, um, and that's, you know, I'm he's been really weak there. I'm like, well, he can't foul him. I mean, I mean obviously. You know, Milner can foul him and get, not get a second yellow, so who knows what would have happened. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I thought that was quite quite noticeable. Oh, that's yeah. I hadn't noticed that. So that yeah, that's really telling. I did wonder because Salah kind of glided past. I actually thought it was Diaz, but yeah, he just glided past him really comfortably. It was a really nice weighted pass as well for the goal. Mm. Um, I feel City scored right away. I don't know what minute afterwards, but I feel it was almost. <laughs> it felt instant. Um, it was 10 minutes later with Foden got the goal um, Milner was nowhere to be seen um, the guy's 50 year old it's kind of hard to criticise him um, and I thought Alisson could have done better Dave uh, yeah quite, kind of similar to Darlow for us where I thought I felt he was over covering the near post yeah. um, kind of invited him to shoot across him which from that position you're going to win anyway if, you, you know, if you're good you're going to try and score in the far corner you're not going to be daft and try and put in the near post in there um, I just felt to give him too much of the goal, but fair play to Ford because he found it, and it wasn't well, it wasn't an easy finish. So. Yeah, and then next up we had a moment of absolute genius. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the best individual goals I've watched, especially from Liverpool, but in a long time I've never got so excited watching a goal. He dances around the city team. Um, I think it's Silva originally that he kind of drags the ball back from, um, skips round uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, and then Laporte, I believe, was it was Laporte playing? Yes, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah and Laporte was the other one, and then we right foot across the goalkeeper and into the corner. Uh, just a, a moment of absolute brilliance, Dave. Yeah, I mean, he's, again, we spoke about this off air, but to me, he's he is the best player in the world at the minute. Um on current form, I know obviously Messi and Ronaldo and whatever else can be the greatest of all time. That's fine, they can argue about that. But right now, I don't think it's a player I'd rather have um, for many reasons. And it, as we've said before, you know he's been in the Premier League for five years now, um, never let you down. I know he's had spells where he hasn't scored and whatever else. And overall, though, he's always got twenty plus goals. He misses so few games through injury. Um, He's just very, very difficult to stop, and this was just him at his absolute best. Um, he maybe doesn't score enough of this t- this type of goal because he's obviously got, got got in his locker, but he scores an awful lot of the, sort of the same type of goal. But this was, I can only think of one other he scored like this, which was against Tottenham a few years ago. Um, yeah. I think also finished in a draw, ironically, but um, so good at uh, just chopping one way, then the other, leaving defenders. You know, not like Newcastle defenders; these are good. Def- and leaving them on their ass, um, and then also scoring on his weaker foot from a difficult angle, like yeah, which he never does. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he would normally have tried another drag back the other way, get it back onto his left foot. 
the, yeah. the scary thing for Salah for me, um, his goal scoring record for Liverpool has been exceptional. I think he has a goal and an assist like this season alone. It's in ze- he's got a goal and assist every fifty seven minutes, basically. Uh, that's ridiculous. But the amount of like sitters, and I mean absolute goal glaring chances that Joe Linton would score there, that Salah has missed in his Liverpool five years, would genuinely have took him to the hundred club within a season and a half. It's <laughs> his first two seasons. He must have. I think he scored twenty five, twenty six in the first season. No, no, the first season was a ridiculous season, wasn't it? Where he scored. Like 28, 29, like 40 odds in all competitions. But the second season was a bit less, but he genuinely missed probably 10 almost open goals a season. Well, like I remember, like, and I remember his, his debut at Watford, I think it was at Watford away where he drew three each. Yes. And, and he, I remember tweeting, being like, who's this Salah character? Because he, he missed about five or six, like, one on ones, like, really good yeah. chances. And I think he obviously got one yeah. eventually. Um, and it obviously we didn't know then it was the start of what it is now, which is just this phenomenal goal scorer. He's like a po- he's just a poacher who plays on the wing. Like it's it's uh, very his numbers are incredible, incredible. But uh, as you saw today, he can score different types of goals. Yeah, and then I'll round up the goals with, with the Bruins um, deflected goal pass. Uh, yeah, um, I thought very very avoidable, really. I mean, Matt, uh, yeah, terrible defender. Yeah, I mean, obviously, De Bruyne shouldn't have that much space in the first place, but Matt pretty much takes out Alisson's hands, so <laughs> it's uh, not the best defending. Yeah, I mean, Simon, you've been fairly quiet. Um, you obviously seen the second half of this game, so you've seen the good half. Um, yeah. In football, wasn't it? Oh, brilliant to watch. Um, as, as you say, Mo Salah is just it's, it's unbelievable. That, that that goal, Yeah, we were saying before we started recording, just whatever, whatever he wants to get paid, you know, whatever number he wants to write on a piece of paper and slide across the table, you just got to give it him. And it's it's incredible to think when when he was signed for Liverpool, it's about it's about like thirty around thirty million, thirty odd million, and and there was a, a lot of people going, bloody hell, they've they've overpaid a bit for him, haven't they? <laughs> Kin Ali, he's paid it back in space, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you see the back with that goal today. That was that was worth the thirty six million alone. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, a really, really good game. I mean, I, I put Phil Foden's goal keeper probably oversold it a bit, but that's a tight angle and he's finished it beautifully into that bottom corner. Um, and also, I I just wanted to like point out the. I mean, we all know that Carl Walker is quick and has some energy on him, but he he needs to have his piss test because. <laughs> I mean, De Bruyne's goal is the right back. He's made like a seventy, eighty yard dart into the penalty area. If he doesn't make, if he doesn't make that run. Robertson clears that ball comfortably, and and then I think there was it was in like the ninety, like first ninety second minute or something, and City are breaking. It looks like it's a three on three. And all of a sudden, Speedy Gonzalez comes flying through the middle <laughs> of the park. Looking for the ball again. And again, I'm thinking, that's the fucking right back making a centre forwards run in stoppage time here. Like, it was, I just thought it was quite funny to watch, really. But uh, uh, it, it really had silence on the second half. But that, that second half is a great game of football. And I think, 
I mean, I know that I've, I've, I've kind of said like Chelsea are, are my title favourites, and I still would have them in that. But then you kind of you watch a game like that today, and and you think it, if anyone, if you if you finish above Liverpool, I'd say you've got a very good chance of winning the league, and vice versa. If you're, if you're finishing above Man City this season, that there's you know it's more than likely that that you've won that league title. So uh, it's a great game between two. Two fantastic teams, brilliant to watch from a neutral. Yeah, out of the three teams, you want either of these teams to win the league football-wise because it's just it's just more enjoyable to watch on the whole. Um, Chelsea can be a bit turgid to watch at times, um, but again, City should be enjoyable to watch. They can part like I, I seen another stat today. I'll try and find it up while I'm while I'm blathering away here, but it's just Klopp and Guardiola's record. Um, in the time that they've been in the league together and the amount of points they've got in the you know in the same amount of games mm. something like because they included Chelsea in it as well I'll try and find it well further in. Uh, <coughs> yeah so here we go since well it's not it's only since 2018 so I don't know why they picked 2018 um, so 120 games for Liverpool City and Chelsea 279 points for Liverpool, 278 points for City. Um, and obviously Chelsea and United are closest with 221 and 220 uh, points. So like there's a 60-point swing um, in those three, well, two and a bit seasons. The consistency that Pep and, and Klopp has had in that, since, in that spell has been... Remarkable, and and City started obviously with a, I think it was the year before they went on that record points total, wasn't it? The 2017 season, mm. uh, which was just yeah, it's just scary, like how it's how it's been, and and it's been and for a Liverpool fan anyway. I don't know how you how you guys have felt, but it's, it has been enjoyable to watch. I mean, as I say, City, I've got a cheat code with the, the billions that they've spent. <laughs> I mean, but well, I mean, Liverpool have spent. Not equal. Nobody spent equal, but Liverpool spent like far more than obviously both you guys have. We've just been fortunate enough to, or unfortunate, however you look at it, to sell players to to make the money, you know, to work. But it's just when you get halves like that, we would prefer it over ninety minutes. That's why we watch football and why football is regarded as you know the most enjoyable sport in the world. Yeah, can't argue with that. Interesting as well, really. That in that game, there's no real like what, what you call like an out and out number nine centre forward on the pitch either. Yeah, I mean, well, that's been Liverpool's kind of forte, hasn't it? Since Klopp took over, um, obviously City did have Aguero at least, but yeah, Liverpool kind of. I've not seen started it because I'm sure other teams have done it, but they kind of made it popular to go with this false nine type role. Um, but again, it only works when you've got two really good goal-scoring wingers. Um, and that's where I think City are lacking not having the nine. Because you don't look at... like Sterling's kind of got off the boil for City. Um, and I mean, you've got Bernardo Silva, Grealish and Foden as your options. And you don't really look at any of them as goal-scoring wide men. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's certainly not... It- 
like posting the numbers that Salah and Mane yeah. would anyway. You know that I think the, just a quick one on Sterling. It's really really odd what's sort of happened the last what seven eight nine months now with City. You look at him in a City shirt and in an England shirt, and it's like the two Talking completely City different shirt. players. It's mm-hmm. really really strange. What I something must have gone on or be going on behind the scenes that just people just that we're just not aware of. Because I think during the summer, um, during, during the Euros for England, I'm sure I, I saw he he was asked about his like his city form at the back end of last season, and he said something like, "There's there's a reason for why I haven't been why it's not been going well. Or I haven't been scoring goals." I, I, I'm sort of paraphrasing there, but he definitely he made some sort of comments to suggest that that things aren't quite right, and it's it's very odd, I think. Yeah, there was rumours he was offered to Spurs in the summer as well, um, and he didn't want to go. Only rumours. Why would he? Why would he want to go to play with Newt? Do you want to play in the Conference League? So, I mean, that'll be interesting. It'd be, it'd be nice to see Sterling back in England shirt and such because I, I do love watching Sterling play football. I just think he's... During that mad time that City had, like, I think we've spoke about it before, how many goals they scored, like, with a really FIFA-type goal, you know, get to the byline, come across, and there's mm. Sterling standing, like, with his hands behind his head, leaning against the post just to kick it in. Like, he, he must have scored at least five of them Five of them a season. They were just, and he was City's best player for for a long period of time. So consistent, um, banging in the goals, assists, um, dragging defenders about. He's just he is a he is an exceptional player, and hopefully he finds form. Well, it's, obviously, it, it's just like towards the end of that game today when De Bruyne put him through, and you just. He never looked no. like no. confidence at all. And, you know, you come next Saturday, and that's Kane slipping him through in an England shirt. He's, he's probably going to stick it away first time. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I guess kind of what you're alluding to there, and I, I'm sure I'll bring you in as well, Dave. But he always looked like he was going to when the ball went through. He always looked like he was going to hold up. Whereas for England, or even a year ago, two years ago for City, like it was when that ball got played through, the first touch was going a further five yards and driving onto it. Whereas it always looked like he was going to almost break up the play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's... He seems to have lost a yard of pace somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, even if just in his mind. doesn't believe he can outpace anyone, but still think he's... As you say, the difference when he played for England and how, yeah. and how he plays now, I mean, he probably hasn't really lost it. He's just not having... Yeah, well, he's England's best players in the summer, wasn't he, in the Euros? I mean, if he was not their best player, he was, he was yeah. certainly top, top three. Um, that's, that's the thing, though. I think lead in the tournament, as I said, like, uh, I know for me, I was saying, well, he doesn't yeah. warrant a place in the team ahead of the likes of Grealish, who have been, you know, really good. Um, and it turned out he'd be, obviously, one of the best players in the tournament. So, um, he's obviously, when everyone's on form, one of the best players in, in the England squad. But... I don't know that that forward line for Man City just seems like a total bugger's muddle at the minute where they've got, you know, Jesus playing on one side and, um, well, Foden or Grealish or, it's just like, 
De Bruyne was who was the false nine today? Was it Bernardo? Was it De Bruyne? Or? Hey, I don't. I, I generally don't know. Hey. <laughs> watch the watch the game. I, Couldn't tell you. <laughs> on, on, the, on De Bruyne, Dave, did you did you feel obviously you watched the full game? That's why I bring it to you. But even De Bruyne looked off the pace today. And it certainly wasn't down to the Liverpool midfield. I think he's been a little bit off the pace all season, to be honest. Yeah. I think he's uh, took quite a few injuries towards the end of last season. I don't know, it's just taken a bit of time to get up to full fitness because it's very stop start, isn't it? Like, yeah. Obviously, the Premier League, you play four games and then there's an international break and then Pep rotates you for three of the minutes. You know, you're, in, you're playing in Paris and it's like, well, very hard to get a rhythm going, especially when the players around you change as well. So, um, I think we might it might take a few weeks and months to get him back up to 100%, but I thought he was quite poor to do. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the games. We will quickly jump on to our Super 6 results from this week, um, which I don't even really want to bring up mine. <laughs> so bad. I think, I, yeah, I'm down to third in the league now, if that's how bad it got. <laughs> um, so, for, I got four points today. Um, that's me just checking. But the round that we actually did predict when we were on the podcast, um, Simon coming in with a 14-pointer. Um, nine for really? myself and six for Dave. Mm. What was that for? Oh, it was the Champions League. Yeah, I got that. The Champions League one, yeah. Um, and obviously Dave, we top back to top as well with nine today. Simon, six and four for myself. Um, we will not even bother going over. We'll do our predictions off. We'll not talk about them because it's all lower league for Tuesday night. Um, and then it'll be, I imagine, probably international ones come the weekend. Um, so we will do that separately because let's be honest, none of us really know what <laughs> more league football. So let's let's stop pretend for that. Anyway, chaps, um, that brings us to the end. So Simon, if you could let everybody know where they can find you and what you've been working on. Uh, yes, it's on Twitter at Sire Regan and for Villa fans, the Holtcast podcast and the website is seventy five hundred to Holt. Mr. Black? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at cm9798. Uh, the website is cm9798.co.uk. Uh, and after the international break, I'll be back on Twitch with Tony Jameson's Thursday night fantasy football at uh, 9 o'clock on Thursday night. Make sure you support both guys there. You can join us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, Chris and the gang will be back on Thursdays with extra time. Uh, international weekend next weekend so there'll be no review show but we will come back same time with a special quiz show and um, not that the guys will be too pleased with it but they'll get <laughs> watching because i'm in charge um so we will still bring you uh, a podcast next monday morning so you will not be missing out um but thank you gentlemen for joining me as always thank you thank you Matt. thank you at home for listening and always remember to keep your man in the post <laughs>